What's going on, Fear Being Average podcast fam? This is your host, Brandon Rinka, and we are back for another episode today. And we're looking at main tips for teenagers and those new to lifting. So this is the stuff that every new lifter should want to hear and listen to and use to optimize their training. This is the stuff I would have loved to have learned early on in my life. Um, I did take advantage of a lot of this stuff, but just to have a reinforcement of the right things to do in the gym to make sure that you're really maximizing your time and getting the biggest return on your investment within the fitness space. Like always, please guys, rate the show, comment, share it to people that need to hear it, and keep on enjoying the content here on the Fear Being Average podcast. Enjoy today's listen. Welcome, welcome to the Fear Being Average podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Rinka. And guys, we got a good, guys and gals, let's just say that. We got a good episode today. Uh, this is episode number six of the Health, Fitness, and Performance series that I've recently created. In today's episode, we look at the main tips for teenagers and those new to lifting to implement into their strength building routine. So these are the main things that you want to put your attention into. Um, obviously, as I, when I post, you know, I used to train groups of kids and, and different, you know, sporting uh, disciplines, and I'm going to get back to that obviously as well. But uh, again, a lot of those kids they'll ask me questions still on Instagram, and and I, and I love helping and assisting them because I was that kid. I was that 14, 15 year old that was you know playing a sport, then transitioned into actually weightlifting. Because that's what that's what you do in high school. You know, when it becomes time where your where your body's ready to put on a little bit more lean muscle tissue, becoming a little bit more of an adult, um, or at least uh, a young adult, and testosterone's boosting a little bit more, and you're a little bit more sound with your movement you naturally start putting work and time into lifting weights. And doing that properly from the beginning is just, it sets the tone. It builds momentum. It creates amazing habits. And there's no wrong age to adopt these habits. And that's why even for the new lifter, you know, that I'm reaching out to in this podcast or somebody maybe new to lifting, because again, there is a difference and a distinction between exercising and lifting, exercising and training, exercising is more about the sweat. It's more about movement. It's more about just getting out and doing something. Think of Zumba, right? Or or some particular classes, right? Where you're not really chasing anything. You're just moving your body, getting the heart rate up, increasing some blood flow, and doing some good for your joints to a certain degree. And yeah, you can put on a little bit of muscle, but it's definitely with no actual intention. Where training or working out and lifting is much more intentional you're trying to build there's a purpose there's an intention there's a goal there's a mission towards what you're trying to do so i'm trying to get stronger i'm trying to put on muscle mass i'm trying to increase my athletic performance i'm trying to become uh, more you know muscular endurancely profound endurancely not a word but you get what i'm saying more profound in the field of muscular endurance so there's a goal to what you're trying to do. And that's really difficult to do in, in in certain class environments because it's always very sporadic. So it's a great opportunity to get a workout in and uh, or sorry, in some exercise in. And if you're intentional and you have the education behind you, you can really progress that way. But lifting and train training is a little bit more specific. It's a little bit more individualized towards a particular block of training um, and doing a little bit more, like I said, with direct attention towards what you're actually doing in the gym space. 
So this podcast is going to be good for anybody who's either maybe plateauing or stalling, but obviously it's really going out to those people that are just jumping into the gym, just switching over to training, to working out, going away from exercising. So think, again, Zumba classes, stuff of that nature, and actually doing things where they're trying to put on some lean tissue or improve their performance in one way or the other. So these are kind of like the go-to things that you got to adopt and the rest is basically noise and we're splitting hairs on. So let's get into it. Uh, Number one here, and this is something that I was massively into when I first started because my background as, as a youngster, I was playing competitive football in high school and it was about getting more muscle mass. I was getting, I wanted to get stronger. I was a you know, smaller kids. So the whole intent was, well, I need to, you know, shrink the difference of my size with the bigger guy's strength. So I needed to become stronger. And initially that was the best thing. And I kind of almost, almost fell into that because with football, you're always testing your 225 pound uh, bench press when you're in grade nine and 10 or 11 is more of one, 185 pounds. But there was this test of strength and, and squats and deadlifts were in there as well. But, but primarily it was a bench press that uh, we were concerned with because when you go to combines where you'd actually test in front of coaches and players in your competition, it was the 185 pound bench press at the combine. And then as you got older, it became 225 pounds. So there was that set benchmark where, okay, I'm going to try to push 185 pounds as much as I can. And eventually I'm going to have to you know, press 225 pounds as much as I can. So there was always a major focus on strength. And I'm very grateful for that because strength is a massive pillar of you putting on muscle and you improving and you developing your physique and improving your body composition. I think often we get distracted by the scale, we get distracted by fancy exercises, and we get distracted by, you know, what we're trying to to do in terms of our body composition, which which is great. But at the same time, if you don't have a base of strength, and you're just chasing new plans and new programs and new workouts and new exercises, without having a strong base and without actually, you know, being someone of strength, it's going to be really hard for you to see long-lasting, significant results. So that would be my initial thing, was get strong, right? right? And, and that can be you know, building a foundation, which we're going to get into, but getting strong is a huge focus. Until you're someone who can you know, push some decent weight, try to avoid all the fancy stuff. Try to avoid a whole bunch of supersets and compound sets and giant sets and hit training. You know, Really take the time to build a base level of strength. Because again, that was what I did. And it worked really well. And I had an incredible base of strength, um, especially relative strength. So just to kind of highlight what the relative strength is and what absolute strength is, absolute strength is just how much weight I can lift. It doesn't matter what your size is and what your weight is. It's just if I bench 300 pounds and somebody else benches 400 pounds, they have greater absolute strength. In terms of relative strength, then it goes back into size. So if I'm 180 pounds or 170 pounds, which is where I you know, typically walk around, and I bench 340 pounds, all right? So I'm about 100 and, we'll go with my 170 pound weight. I'm 170 pounds difference between my bench press and my weight, okay? So I have a pretty good amount of relative strength for my size. So someone who weighs 
200 pounds, if I can do double my weight on the bench press, they would have to do more than double their weight on the bench press. So if they could have a higher bench, they could have a bench press of 370 pounds, but to have a greater relative strength, they'd have to be benching at least double their body weight. Because again, that's what I can do. So relative strength is more strength based on your size. So if you're someone who's 120 pounds and you can squat and deadlift and, you know, you know let's just say those two numbers, you can squat and deadlift over 200 pounds, you have some really good relative strength. And that's the key, right? Because you can't always determine and dictate how big you get necessarily, especially if you maybe are an undersized athlete or a youngster. So again, your focus shouldn't be on absolute strength and necessarily, you know, how how strong I am compared to everybody else, but relatively for my size, how can I get really strong? And naturally, absolute strength is still going to be there. You're still going to be really strong, but a good focus, especially if you're in the performance field, is you want to be someone who has really good relative strength. I train MMA fighters, and I have a fighter who fights at 135 pounds. For him, I don't need him to be stronger than someone who's at 185 pounds or fights at 205 or even 155 for that matter. I need him for his size to be incredibly strong. So when he gets steps in the cage in the octagon at 135 pounds, I want his relative strength to be very high, especially compared to those at 135 pounds because that's his competition. So that's the difference. So for sure, that is your first order of business, right? When you're in you know, the gym and you're working out and you're starting to put a training plan together, after we build a bit of a foundation, of course, focus on strength. That is your go-to answer to putting on muscle and developing your phys- physique. If you're not strong, you're not going to put on a lot of muscle. And if you're just chasing fancy workouts, I feel like you're going to spin your tires over and over and over again because you don't have that base. Number two, guys, avoid the fluff. So uh, the fluff is basically anything that's not giving you a great return. So any exercise that isn't really progressing you that much. So the way I look at it, if you look at the social media world and influencers, they'll promote and they'll show a lot of those fluff workouts, right? They're using a lot of bands, they're using a lot of body weight, and they do maybe some cable work. You know, so basically a lot of isolation work and, like I said, stuff that doesn't require a great deal of load. That's the fluff. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a place in someone's workout. I use mini bands a ton to activate my glutes and and get a good little pump there and um, help strengthen my glutes, actually. I use bands a ton as well. And there'll be times where I'll use body weight training. But now, those things should not be the base of a program. And too many people, because the big movements, the big compound movements, take time to learn. They have a greater learning curve that people stick away from the compounds and they focus more on the fluff because it's easier. It's simple. They see a thousand influencers do it a day and those influencers have great bodies and they go great body plus bands. Okay, I'll do it, right? Unfortunately, that's completely misleading and the way those individuals got their bodies was either potentially genetic and secondly, they actually lifted probably a lot of weight and did a lot of compound movements. Those are the best bang for your buck movements. So you got to make sure you avoid the small little stuff, right? Don't spend a whole bunch of time. If anything, that's 10 to 15% of your workout is the fluff. Maybe it's activation, something of that nature. Maybe you're working on imbalances. That's where those bands can come in. 
and cables can be of use. And I said, these things are tools. They are 100%. They should be within your realm of exercises to use. However, they're not the things that you want to spend a lot of time on. So again, I'm going to jump right in number three with that one, and that's investing 80% of your time in the big five and six. And the big five and six just means the big five and six movements. So if you're not an avid worker outer, or um, I don't want to say exerciser because I just distinguish the two. So if you're not an avid individual who spends time working out training in the gym, you might not know what those big five or six is. So the big five or six, definitely the three powerlifting movements, so the bench press, the squat, and the deadlift. And then you can throw in, obviously, a vertical press, so an overhead press. You would want a horizontal and vertical row, uh, the vertical row being a chin-up or pull-up, and the horizontal row where your hips are actually pushed back would be the bent-over row. So those are your big six right there. Uh, But for a lot of people, they call it the big five. They don't necessarily throw – they'll either – take the chin up or the row. Uh, I like to bring them both in together because one's horizontal, one's done vertically. Uh, so those big six, I would say those are the best bang for your buck exercises that you can do. Those are the things you absolutely have to invest the majority of your time on. A lot of plans and programs that I've done have been all of those, right? They'd be different variations. Uh, and the thing is, it's not boring. It doesn't mean why well, I can only stick to one type of bench press. I can only stick to one type of squat or deadlift or press or chin up or row. There are multiple variations of each of those. Bench press, you have the decline, you have the incline, you have the dumbbell, you have the neutral, right? You can throw in with the squat, hack squat, front squat, sumo squat, low bar, high bar, goblet squat, split squat, Bulgarian split squat, deadlift, Romanian, straight leg, sumo, conventional, single leg, right? And then we have overhead press. You can do a military press. You can do, um, what the hell, Bradford press. You can do dumbbells. You can do barbell. Tons of different you know grips. You can go pronated. You can go neutral, you can do an Arnold press uh, and chin-ups and pull-ups. Of course, you have neutral, pronated, supinated, a lot of different variations, close grip, weighted, eccentric loaded, um, rows, bent over, penalty row where you have a, a flat back position. Uh, you can do chest supporter rows, single arm rows. So again, you want to talk about not being bored? You got tons of exercise, and that's just off the top of my head. I'm throwing these things out there. I'm sure there's a few unique ones out there uh, that I left off, of course. But those movements are your base. Those are the things that are going to skyrocket you in performance, in aesthetics, in body composition, in in whatever realm you're talking about in, in, in terms of improving your physique. You take an individual who wants to play around with the fluff and do a whole bunch of bands and cables, and you take another person who is investing 80%, if not 90% of their time in those big compound movements, those multi-joint movements, the movements that are going to be your biggest testosterone boosters. They're the things that are going to get you strong. They're multi-jointed, meaning that you're going to invest a lot of engagement through the system. Your central nervous system is going to be fully engaged with those big compound movements, which is a phenomenal signal to contract and grow. Now, you take that person, they are going to absolutely surpass and crush the individual doing the fluff workouts. And what happens with the person doing the fluff workouts is they stop working out because they go, the rate of progress is way too slow for me. This is a waste of my time. And then the person who's investing 80, 90% of their time in the big five or six are becoming strong. They're becoming obviously much more muscular. They're increasing their tissue. 
They're more durable. They're faster. They can jump higher. They're way less injury prone because they've done some proper strength training. So again, those big movements have to be the base. And especially if I see someone who's just getting into working out at at 14 years old, uh, I really want to see people avoid the the small stuff and invest time with this. Because remember, when you're doing the bench press and you're doing the overhead press, for example, you are working your triceps. You are working your shoulders, right? When you're squatting, you're not just working your quads. You're working your hamstrings and you're working your glutes. You don't need to do leg extensions necessarily because you're getting a ton of engagement with that movement and you're getting another area, a couple of different areas of your body that are going to be activated as well. You know, the deadlift, a lot of people see that as a leg exercise. It is probably more of a back exercise. Of course, depending on the variation, it will differ. Stiff-legged, Romanian, sumo tend to be a little bit more leg and glute-oriented. Um, sumo can even be more of the adductor magnus, um, where conventional, you'll typically see a, a greater emphasis on development of the back or rack poles who are amazing for back development and strengthening. Um, and do those and just see your back blow up, right? And with that, you're going to see your biceps blow up. Because again, you're holding, you're gripping weight, you're in a fully contracted position, moving a very heavy load. You can't lat pull down or row, you know, say a cable row, nearly the amount of weight you're ever going to press or sorry, pull on a deadlift. Just like you're never going to do a leg extension or a leg movement that is a fraction of the weight of an actual squat, right? You cannot load up any movement to three to four to 500 pounds other than these big compound movements. And the greater the load that you're moving, the greater the stress and stimulus on your body. Guess what? The greater signal that is sent to your system and the greater opportunity for adaptation and growth. So these big movements are sending your body the signal to grow and become stronger. The, the single joint isolation movements are good for sculpting they're good as finishers for a workout they're good if you want a little bit of a pump if you're trying to work a underdeveloped muscle so say you get to a point at the end you're like i really do want big biceps uh, which is a traditional thing as a kid when i was younger of course i threw in bicep curls i'm a 14 15 year old boy trying to get girls yeah i'm working my biceps of course i'm not focused like i am now well i want some big old ham hamstrings and glutes right that's not the most attractive thing necessarily when you're a 15 year old kid no girls really care about that but big biceps they do so what happens naturally you throw in some finishers you do some drop sets so you can put a little bit of focus on those isolation movements based on what you want to work that never that never hurts but do that at the end of the workout if you have energy at the end of your workout to throw in some isolation work go do it right? It's isolation work. It's not going to tax the system. It's not going to beat you up. It's not going to really affect your immunity or create too much, you know, elevated cortisol. At that point, your workout's done. If you have some energy for it, or you want to come back later in the evening and, or you have a, some dumbbells in the basement, yeah, go bang out some tricep extensions and hammer curls um, and concentration curls or, or whatever, even some lateral raises and uh, do some leg extensions, ham curls, you know, play around with it. But again, those things are the cherry on top. That's how I look at it, right? There is a place for them. Absolutely. A lot of my programming will have them in there, especially as you get more advanced and we're trying to, you know, maybe work on some injury prevention or hit different angles. But early on when you're moving some weight, especially as a youngster, um, that's the time where you don't want to, you don't need to waste your time, right? 
take your time in the gym and put it towards these big compound multi-joint growth hormone oriented movements or testosterone boosting anabolic hormone movements that are going to be the best bang for your buck and you will see an incredible result and try to eliminate the fluff or put the fluff like i said at the end of the workout or at a time where you're not really focused on a big workout all right guys number four we're going going into mechanically sound and this one is really important for some, a new new lifter so i work as a consultant uh at a gym in oakville and a lot of the time when someone gets a membership they'll sit down with me well that basically every time that's the idea and we'll talk about their goals and what they're trying to accomplish and a lot of people, I always tell them, it's not hard to find a workout. It's not hard to find a workout program. It's not hard to find exercises that are good to do. But a lot of people don't do those exercises, obviously, because there's a greater learning curve. So it's easier to do a machine-like extension that you can't mess up. You got to sit in your ass on a machine and you got to extend your legs or a leg curl where you go into knee flexion. That's easy to do. Any person that can read a, a visual picture on a machine can do that movement without any without fail really um obviously depending on the tempo and weight they're using it might not be that effective but you get get my point there's a great learning curve i'm still learning how to, how to really squat proficiently and, and deadlift maximally so again there's a, just a much greater learning curve and it takes more time and is difficult and it requires mobility and flexibility and a certain amount of strength through your ligaments and tendons. So it's a hard movement, so people avoid it. And early on, if they do try those things and they haven't built a good foundation and they want to do those exercises, but they want to skip the learning curve because they're in a rush for it or they want to use more weight that they can handle, they have really poor technique, right? And now when you have poor technique, guess what, guess what happens? You have more opportunity to get injured, obviously. So that's probably going to happen at some point. You're not going to see great development because, again, technique is off and the range of motion is probably cut short and we're not getting a full stimulation of the muscle. So, again, the development is very slow, if not, you know, just completely not there. So, again, you want to really make sure early on, don't worry too much about trying to become the strongest guy in the gym. Yes, the emphasis on is on getting strong. But before that, you get strong with good technique. Getting strong with bad technique is a poor approach to fitness. You want to get strong with amazing technique because you squatting down and doing a half squat at using 135 pounds compared to you using 135 pounds on a full depth squat to parallel or just below parallel, let's say, you are much stronger if you can get below parallel than you are if you can squat and do a half squat, obviously, right? There's no there's no comparison. So you are getting stronger, of course, right? You're, you're activating and engaging more muscles. You're able to get in a better, deeper position, right? You have stronger ankle mobility um, and hip mobility at that point. And guess what? You move the weight, you are a stronger individual. It is, I'm much stronger when I do a half bench press, half rep bench press, when I compared to a full rep bench press, obviously, right? Because I've cut the range of, more, range of motion in half. There's going to be no com comparison there. So early on, you want to become really good at mastering technique and movement mechanics. And that's where a trainer and coach really helps out. Because when even when I work out to this day with a coach, with a training partner, 
something of that nature, they're correcting and manipulating my form. It doesn't mean I don't know what I'm doing, but they're tweaking a few things to make sure I'm getting a deeper squeeze or my shoulders in the right position or my knees are driving out or they're cueing me when I am lifting a heavy weight to position myself because when I'm lifting a heavy weight, I'm not thinking about form all, all the time. I have a pretty good understanding, obviously, at this point in my life of 15 years of lifting and probably five to seven years of coaching that, yeah, I know what I'm doing. But again, even with the coach there, they give me the the signal and the cues to kind of fix a few small things or at least, you know, engage my core, stay tight, things like of that nature. So early on, it really benefits you to learn how to do it appropriately. If you have the resources and you have the opportunity to work with a coach, um, a strength coach, someone, you know, maybe on, on a team or if you have the resources to get a, a online coach who's really good and knows their stuff or a personal trainer, if your parents are able to pay for it um, or you have the resources as a new lifter, I would highly recommend it. It is going to eliminate a lot of headache and dysfunction and potential injury and realistically, it's going to excel your development, right? If your technique is not sound, you will never progress very well doesn't mean you can't you know achieve some goals doesn't mean you can't get a little bigger and a little stronger but again it is going to be a really tough battle to ever do anything of significance in training because it just there's so much opportunity to get injured and to not see progress and there's so many variables that are standing in your way when technique is off because it is a very it's a fine art working out and it's not it's not like something you can watch a video one time, go to the gym and be good at, right? No, if you want to get good at a squat, you need to have a lot of frequency. You got to do that movement a lot over and over and over. You need to wrap it out. And a lot of people don't want to do that, right? Again, they want to put their attention towards the fluff. And the fluff is only so strong you can get with leg extensions and hamstring curls, right? It comes to a point where those movements are just going to kind of cap out and your and your body's not going to respond very effectively if we just stick with those movements. So there's going to come a point where you're going to have to invest some time in more functional movement patterns that have you, you know, separated from the machine and the apparatus. Is you with weight, whether it's dumbbells or barbells or body weight, and you're perfecting quality movement. And when you do that, like I said, it's going to speed up your results it's going to develop a phenomenal base for you to be successful. So if you're a new lifter, uh, a kid who's playing a sport, that's why it's so important when you see parents put their kids in different sports, they have an opportunity to do a lot of different things, right? They can play baseball and learn a set of skills there. They can play football, learn a set set of skills there. Uh, maybe basketball, and they're a little bit more focused on jumping or volleyball, something of that nature. And then they have those motor skills that can translate really well. And that's what working out is too, right? It's the opportunity to develop a really unique set of skill sets that are very functional in terms of real life practicality. Um, And again, if you think it's not true, it is. Every day we squat, we bend, we twist, we lift overhead. uh, But again, sooner or later, we, we, we lose that a little bit, right? We lose the ability. You try to find me someone who's 35 years old who can get in a deep squat position, heels down, flat footed, below parallel. It is few and far between unless they are an avid gym goer, right? That's just the, the facts of it all, right? You're not going to find someone who can do that unless they're actually doing it consistently. And that's the benefit of being mechanically sound and working on your mobility, creating greater, 
greater ranges of motion and developing the tension to really see some results. You're going to get stronger. You're going to have you know, the technique that's going to carry you year to year. So it's a great emphasis that you got to really make sure you focus on. Don't rush the process. Don't try to be the kid or the person who's lifting the most amount of weight with the shittiest form in the gym. It's embarrassing. doesn't look good. It's going to do you no good. So take your time. Check your ego at the door. You will get stronger. You will become incredibly strong and well-developed if you just take your time with it. You're patient with the process. Again, there's just nothing, there's no substitute for that. All right, guys. Number five, know your macros and how much you're eating. So when you're working out, this is a big thing, right? These are the main tips we want to focus on. Your body needs the building blocks to build. If you're not supplying it with the nutrients to grow and recover and repair and, de- and develop, it's not going to grow very efficiently, right? You can't eat in a calorie deficit and grow a lot of muscle right? Your body's just not getting the nutrients it needs, like I said, to actually build that muscle tissue and and repair the cells and the tissue to a sufficient rate. So knowing what you're eating and how much you're eating, what your body needs is a huge key to success in this realm. Um, And I've seen a lot of people, myself included, when I was younger, I was eating, eating, eating. So I thought, and I just couldn't put on a lot of weight. It wasn't until I started tracking and I was going to supplement stores and we were talking about whey protein and and doing all that stuff and taking a carb and a gainer. And I'm not saying that's the approach for you necessarily, but I started looking and go, wow, I am really under eating my body. I'm just not eating enough, especially for my activity level, right? I was working out. I was playing sports. I'm a kid in high school. Yeah, I'm moving my body all day long. I'm, I'm super active, probably have a fairly high metabolism. And here I am not eating enough food, even though I think I'm starving myself. And, and I wasn't eating the right food, right? I probably wasn't eating enough protein. And because to get in 150 to 170 grams of protein per day, not that easy unless you're actually actively go- going about it. If you're, if you're focused on those calories, you're not just going to stumble across 160 grams of protein, unfortunately, unless you're doing, you know, three to five meals with 40 to 60 grams of protein in it. Um, it, it takes time to do that. And to do that, you need to eat the right food. So knowing your macros, knowing how much you're eating and what you're eating is going to save you a lot of time, save a lot of headache as well. Um, a general rule of thumb in terms of your maintenance calories times your body weight by 15. There's tons of macro calculators out there, um, but that's a great general rule. Uh, again, everyone's individualized and has specific um, you know, attributes to them, right? Their activity level, how much they're doing per day. Um, obviously that's individualized, but times it by 15 is a decent marker of maintenance. So if you're hundred pounds times it by 15, you have a hundred, you know, that'd be 1500 calories, right? Uh, per day to maintain your weight. If you're now getting to the point, you're 130, 150 pounds, obviously you're going to see a, a much higher amount of calories there. And that's just to maintain. So if you're looking to build and grow and, and increase muscle tissue, you're going to have to eat some food, right? And it's not uncommon to see, Kids that are 150 pounds, 160 pounds, 170 pounds that are eating, you know, 3,000 plus calories, right? And, and they're getting close to the 4,000 because they're doing so much per day. Um, but again, if you're not tracking, if you don't know what your body is consuming and you're not growing, well, stop guessing. Take the time to actively engage in this process. Nutrition is a huge part of growth, uh, of muscle growth, obviously. And if you're not doing it and wondering, you know, what's going on, we'll track first, 
then come back to the drawing board, right? You can't just guess your way, just like you can't just start picking random exercise and wonder why you're not growing. There's a progression, there's a periodization, there's a, a healthy approach to programming, right? If you're not doing the small stuff right, don't complain about it, do those things, and then assess where you're at and what you need to do, and then stick to it, obviously. But knowing what your macros are, knowing how many calories your body needs to either lose weight, gain weight, maintain weight, is going to save you a whole bunch of time I'm telling you from experience is what I did as a young kid who was really active and still eating a lot and I was trying to grow and I was getting stronger but the weight wasn't moving as much well I needed more calories pretty simple stuff okay guys last two here we got to build a strong foundation now this probably should have been up to number one there and this is in no particular order sometimes I just write these things out and I don't put them in order but building a strong foundation of course is basically goes right in line with getting strong and becoming mechanically sound um, and really harnessing proper technique. A foundation is, it's, yeah, think of it, right? If you're building a house, for example, you want to have a good, strong foundation. If you, if you build it with mud, well, guess what's going to happen? It's going to rain and, and the foundation's going to fall over. If you build it with sticks, hard wind's going to blow that shit over. You want to build your foundation with some solid material, right? You want to have a strong core, you want to invest time in the proper exercises. You want to develop a bulletproof core, a bulletproof low back. You want to have strong hamstrings. You want to have durable, resilient muscles and joints and ligaments and tendons. So you want to take the time to build that foundation. And that foundation is connected to form. It's connected to technique. It's connected to mobility and range of motion. So that's your foundation, right? Don't try to do too much too soon. Do those things first. Master technique. Master your movement. Master mechanics, get mobile, increase your flexibility, hit some full range of motion, do the things to strengthen the lower back before overhead pressing, for example. It'd be great if you developed really good, really strong low back strength and develop good core strength because without that, you're susceptible to injury. And those big movements, yes, are the best bang for your buck movements. I'm not saying week one, go into a military overhead press. You know, obviously you would, you would work your way up and progress to such a movement. We got tons of dumbbell variations, vertical pressing, but I would still say there has to be a major emphasis on developing the core. And that all that's attached, right? Your latissimus dorsi, your low back, your lumbar spine, um, erector spinae, obviously the abdomen, the obliques, all those things, the glutes, everything's very connected. Obviously the hips, I'm a lot more into now as a endurance athlete and, and doing a lot more running and biking. And my hips are obviously having to become more used more often. So I naturally spend a lot of time working and strengthening that area. A lot of my attention is on my posterior chain in terms of my hamstrings, my glutes, and my hips and hip flexors. Um, so developing those things, it saves you time. Um, it saves you the p potential of injury and it develops a really strong base for you to then go into those big multi-joint compound movements and move some sufficient weight because if you try to overhead press but you don't have a strong core, you don't have a strong lower back, good luck getting that thing locked out. Same thing with a squat. If you have poor ankle mobility based on poor foundation and you have weak hips and you have weak glute engagement and you have a really weak underdeveloped core, underactivated core, good luck putting a heavy load on your back or in front of your body and squatting down. Like There's not a foundation there to lift that weight back up. So you want to move some strong weight and you want to lift you know, some 
some lift some big multi-joint movements that are going to be the most effective things for you, go build that foundation first, right? You don't want a strong wind or a strong rainstorm or snowstorm to blow you over, right? You want to be there for the long haul. You want to have a, um, just an amazing base of fitness and strength, genuine, authentic strength. And then from there, you will just see your growth speed up and skyrocket like crazy because you have a good strong foundation unfortunately too many people that jump into a gym they want to do the sexy stuff first um usually it's the wrong sexy stuff like hit training or something of that nature but it's even more so because they don't want to invest time in the big movements or they want to go into the big movements, but they do it improperly they don't have the range of motion or technique because they don't have a good foundation so they're doing shitty reps with poor weight and technique and guess what happens nothing. They leave the gym in three months or they donate uh, to Good Life Fitness for a year. Um, So don't be that person, right? Definitely build a strong foundation in terms of what you can do to build a bulletproof core and low back. Uh, Carries are amazing. Um, So farmer carries, old school, strong man training, very simple, right? You can do single arm carries uh, that will light up your obliques, um, working that unilateral um, aspect of training, which I love because typically there are a lot of imbalances. That would probably be one of the, you know, it's not on this podcast, but I would talk about unilateral training as being a massive thing for beginners, working on both sides of the body, you know, strengthen the left side, strengthen the right side, single arm rows, Bulgarian split squats, just split squats, lunges, stuff of that nature. And um, so carries, you know, unilateral, bilateral, you know, two hands by your side. Um, You can do front rack carries, zerker holds, um, or front squat holds. You have weight on your chest, um, on your clavicle there, and you would just hold lock in weight. That one will typically be um, a heavy loaded movement, uh, more than I could traditionally squat. I I can do a zerker or front squat hold with much more weight than than I can actually you know, squat into obviously, and that's going to light my core up. If you're going for strength, think about more, you know, 10 to 20 second holds, 30 second holds, maybe max, uh, more muscular endurance, of course, longer than that, maybe a minute max, something of that nature. Um, great movements though, right? Anything carry that lights up your core forces your CNS to engage amazing movements, uh, in terms of low back, um, back extensions, um, hip extensions, glute ham raises. That's all basically done on, on the same machine on the back extension machine. Um, there's just different variations. The glute ham, you'd come all the way back up, um, you know, from that fully flexed position, um, then you have the, the, the back extension where your back's a little bit straighter and then hip extension where you tuck your chin. Um, you can find that again, I'll probably send some links onto the description of this, this podcast, just so, um, you can have some direct links to those exact movements. Um, but all those things are great working the glutes. Um, again, that's where the bands can actually come in, right? That's where some single leg movements, um, you know, bridges and, you know, monster walks and stuff of that nature, um, if you're young and you're able to, you know, hill sprints are great, building up uh, the, the glutes and hamstrings in a much more safe manner, um, and that will work on the coordination as well. It, it, it can be a more advanced movement. As, it, I'm not saying this is a beginner movement, um, but I'm just thinking in terms of building a really strong foundation. You can't go wrong um, with old school football conditioning, um, just doing it in a safe manner. That's why I like and advocate for hill sometimes. But yeah, mostly focused on, on, on the, the carries, the extensions, and, and working the low back and the core and the glutes and the, and the hips um, really, really well. Planks can be your friend as well. Um, do it the right way. You know, Really flex your core while you're doing Don't just hang in there trying to get the most amount of time. You actively want to tuck your tailbone 
squeeze your glutes and squeeze the heck out of your core and abdomen. Great movement. Side planks, um, high planks even too. Um, good accessory movements that you guys can do to build that strong foundation. And like I said, get the technique, get the range of motion, increase mobility, um, huge things you want to invest a lot of time into. If you are someone saying, should I work out six days a week um, and neglect mobility or four days a week and give mo- mobility some attention? Of course, four days a week with mobility, I would say, um, I think mobility is something you got to put to, you know, in your routine every single day, much less volume and frequency um, is a little bit higher. So you don't have to spend a lot of time doing it while you're in a mobility session, but five, 10 minutes each day is going to do you a lot of good. It's not like working out where you need to rest your body. Um, to increase your mobility, you want to be a little bit more frequent. Um, and all right, guys, finish off here. Last one, which is a big narrative for myself. Um, stick to a plan until progress halts, right? So you don't have to just keep jumping around different exercises, different workouts, they, you know, your friend's doing this, so you jump over there, or you're gonna, you know, neglect this exercise and, and, and go over there, or you're gonna, today I'm only feeling like I'm gonna do, you know, two sets instead of five sets. That's where a program and a plan works out really well, right? It sets it up for you, so you go, well, this is what I'm following. I'm not going off of what I'm feeling, it's going off of what I have to do because I'm following a plan. Here's this six week, 12 week plan, it's based around strength and hypertrophy. Um, or, or just muscular endurance or performance or aesthetics, whatever it is, right? You know, pick your pick whatever turns your crank, but at the same time, stick to it. Give it a good effort. Give it a solid four to 12 weeks, right? For the minimum, but especially younger, you're going to have a much greater learning curve and your body's going to be adapting very well because it's new to you. There's a new stimulus, so you can actually take your time with it and you're going to just see a lot of growth early on because it's a completely new thing. So yeah, eight to 12 weeks. It doesn't mean it's the same workouts and the same exercises. Those things will change. There will probably be some different rep ranges uh, and different weights eventually. But again, there is something to, to, to say for just sticking to, to a plan, sticking to a regime for an extended period of time and seeing how you progress, right? Seeing if you can do three by 10 for a four-week block on some particular exercises and see if you can just add weight each week, you know? Maybe week one, you're doing, you know, 100 pounds on the bench press, and then week two, you're doing 110 and then 125, and then by the end of the four weeks, because you're new to the game, you're doing 140 pounds, or, or you're actually doing 135 pounds, whatever it is, um, and just seeing you progress that way. You don't have to flip into a new exercise, and that's probably going to halt a lot of your results, right? If you're working on improving your bench press, and one week you're doing barbell, and the next week you're doing dumbbell, then you do an incline, and then you focus on you know, push-ups, and, and then you're going into you know, an incline press or whatever, and you're all over the place. Again, it doesn't give you enough time to practice a movement. It doesn't have, give you enough time to actually get strong in a movement. So take your time with it. You know, focus and challenge yourself on getting stronger and better with it. Can I be more technically sound with my movement this week? Can I control the weight rather than have the weight just drop down on me, Right. Can I get one or two more reps if it's three by 10 scheduled in, in, in the program? You know, and maybe I'm going to look for that first set. Maybe I can pump out 11 or 12, right? If I know I can do that, I'm going to stay there and I, I'll see if I can do 11 or 12 again. And if it drops to 10, that's okay. You're two reps above. Your total volume has increased. So there's a lot of different you know, ways to approach progressive overload, but I don't want to get into that. I have other 
you know, if you want to look into it, I have other podcasts that do talk about it. But sticking with a plan is going to do you a lot of good. It's going to be a lot of opportunity to practice. It's going to give your body a chance to adapt to it. And personally, unless you're not having a whole bunch of fun with it, if your progress is continuous, why why leave it, right? Why mess around with a plan that works? Now, I'm not saying you know what what that plan looks like because I don't think anybody who's beginning in the fitness industry knows what a good pro- program should look like. So obviously, you're not going to design it yourself. And there are a lot of good um, workout programs that I supply, but also websites like T Nation. I love that one. I've been reading that one since high school and, and the content's amazing. And um, it's practical, it's applicable to young athletes and, and bodybuilders. But you want to make sure you're investing in a plan that makes sense. If you don't know what that looks like, reach out to me. Say, hey man, I don't know if this program looks like it's a good plan. Send it to me. I'll let you know. Um, or ask me directly for something. But um, you don't want to jump around, right? You don't want to be the person who, who's, you know, chasing two birds at the same time or, or two rabbits at the same time. You're never going to catch a bird, so you might catch a rabbit. But trying to chase two rabbits, you're not going to get anywhere, right? You don't want to be chasing muscle growth one week and then strength the next week. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I want to run 5Ks. Okay, you can do that, right? That's going to be great for general fitness, but you're not going to improve in any one of those areas really well. You're not going to put on a lot of muscle. You're not going to become very strong. You're not going to become very fast. That's just general fitness. That's that's exercise. As someone who's healthy, who's doing some good stuff, that's amazing, but you're not going to really progress until you stick with a plan, until you stick with something that is consistent, that is going to develop on the week before. And that's the only way you're ever going to see and know if you're progressing. Like, am I getting stronger? And that's probably the biggest focus that the majority of people should should you know put their attention on to is am I getting stronger week to week? If you are, regardless of your weight's going up or down, you are winning. Of course, you don't want to get stronger by five pounds next week and put on five pounds. And then yeah, that's that's not a good ratio. But if you're staying the same weight or you gained one pound based on your increased calories, but you're getting stronger by five to ten to fifteen pounds week to week, that's a great sign. Amazing exchange. I'll take that deal all day long, right? Because if you're getting stronger, you're putting muscle on. Your body right now can't lift that weight. So if it's lifting 20 to 50 pounds more three months from now, something developed, obviously. Maybe uh, your stabilizer is stronger. Obviously, your body's stronger. Your foundation's built up. It's all good stuff. But again, that's only going to happen if you stick to a plan to actually compare progress. So give yourself some time there. Hang out there. Don't rush it. Don't get bored. Leave your ego at the door. You know, find a plan that works really well for your goals and you're going to be good to go, right? It's just a, it's a patient process. Um, it's something I've obviously done for so long and I started as that kid, as that new lifter, that knew nothing, but I loved it. And not everyone has to love it like I do. I obviously made it into my career and, and it's what I live and breathe but even if it's something you're really passionate about you don't have to become a trainer and coach and invest all the time that i do into this but using these basic principles are going to be a phenomenal guide for you guys to become really successful successful sorry regardless if you're a 14 year old boy or girl jumping into weights for performance or aesthetic reasons or if you're a 25 year old new lifter or if you're a 35 year old that went from classes all the time into, well, I'm actually going to do more strength training. 
So it's a new opportunity and focusing on this regardless of where you fall into that spectrum is going to be an amazing guide. So quick recap, get strong, main focus there, avoid the fluff stuff, the bands, the cables, all that stuff that can be put in there, but not your main attention whatsoever. 10% of your your new exercise regime. Be become, become mechanically sound. Make sure your technique is on point. Know your macros. Know how many calories your body needs to grow or maintain or lose some weight. You know, Invest 80 to 90% of your time in the big five to six movements, compound movements, the, one, the biggest bang for your buck movements. Build a very strong foundation. Low back, core, master technique, increased mobility, range of motion. And then finally, stick to a plan until progress halts. That's all you got to do, guys. There's, there's, there's other stuff, obviously, but that stuff right there as a beginner, if you do those things, man, you're going to see some amazing results. You know, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're going to see some great results that way. It just takes a little bit of time. Um, and the other piece of advice, you know, invest some time into it. If you, if you do have time, study the game a little bit, read a few things that always kept me mentally engaged and stimulated the progress. And when you see progress it's a lot easier to stick with it because you start loving the results. You start loving the new PRs and the new strength numbers you're hitting. A lot of clients right now are are smashing strength goals, um, from 35 year olds to 28 year olds to 47 year olds. I got crushing pushups to, to young, you know, individuals alike. So it's amazing seeing that. And the reason that they're sticking with it and they're investing so much time into it is because they are seeing the growth, um, through the stuff I'm talking about right here. And they're understanding that as a process and, and it's, it's amazing to see. So guys, like always, you can visit brandonrecca365.com com for free resources blogs on mental and physical and nutritional development uh, you can also check out the podcast there there are uh, other guides that will help you along as well like my ebook that i just wrote three weeks ago 104 pages nutritional optimization ebook get it guys it's cheap it's 14 bucks and it's going to give you a massive guide to you guys becoming successful in this arena brandrecca365.com um, you can join my online training pro- um, program as well where i teach you directly through true coach whether it's a general program or it's a specific design program for you it's all right there for you uh, you can also check me out at brandrick at 365 on instagram where i post daily throw a lot of content up there to make sure we're staying motivated and engaged in this space and like always guys rate share comment the podcast do what you gotta do i would always appreciate you guys listening and have an awesome day